Hello and welcome to the Muscle Engineer Podcast. I am your host, Sodak Andre, and this is episode 11 in which I'm joined by Melody Schoenfeld for a science-based objective analysis of the vegan diet and lifestyle. Melody is a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA, certified nutrition specialist, certified massage therapist, and a personal trainer with over 20 years of experience in the field. She also holds a master's degree in health psychology, and writes and speaks both nationally and internationally on a wide variety of health and fitness subjects. She has held state and American records in all three lifts in powerlifting and competes in powerlifting and strongman. In addition to these feats, she is a heavy metal musician and a vegan. And she has been one for over 20 years. And she is also the recent author of the book Pleasure Not Meeting You, a science-based approach to the vegan lifestyle and some recipes too. During a conversation, we both express our dislike for the most common emotional blackmailing approach vegans take when trying to convince meat eaters to abandon animal foods and offer a better approach, discuss some of the most common misconceptions about vegan diets and address the most common nutrients vegans can be deficient in, plus much much more. Make sure to stick around until the end if you want to hear what were my top 3 takeaways from this episode. So let's not waste any more time and start episode 11 of the Muscle Engineer podcast with Melody Schoenfeld. Melody Schoenfeld, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad that you were able to join me today and I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we get into any of the main topic that I want to discuss today, can you give a brief... um, background on you when did you get involved with fitness because um <laughs> fitness seems to be a family business given that you have a brother that uh, <laughs> knows a thing or two about fitness and has published that study or two uh my brother actually is the one who got me into it i did not grow up athletic at all you just like that was not done in my family uh it was more like well if you were one of the boys yeah maybe you would go play a sport or something but it wasn't something that you were supposed to aim to excel at or anything like that and really the thing that you're supposed to do in my family is you're supposed to go to Harvard and uh, and then you're supposed to have children and that's what you do you 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 become a doctor or a lawyer you have a family and those are the things that you do (laughs) Um, or you could be an investment banker I guess that would be okay too but I did not uh, follow any of those routes Um, I'm a musician um, and that's what I wanted to do but you know it's pretty hard to become a musician Um, so I did everything else I was a teacher and uh, and I learned that I didn't want to be a teacher and then I was I worked for an advertising firm and then I what did I do after that oh yeah I worked for an a uh, law firm for a short time and then I worked uh, for an an architecture firm for a short time and then I was a computer consultant for five years but basically when I when I got out of college and I was working as an advertising person you know I was making not a lot of money at all Um, barely enough to get by in New York New York is very very expensive Um, And my brother had a personal training studio and so he let me work there and I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I played around in the gym a little bit, but I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, So he showed me the exercises and wrote the plans and all I had to do was dictate the plans to the client based on what he told me. 
Um, but I didn't really feel right about doing that and then not, you know, walking the walk. So I started following various of the plans that he'd written. Uh, I've started following those for myself. Uh, and sometimes I would go to the gym with him and kind of follow him around and be annoying. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that's how I got into it. And then I figured that that was the only job that I'd had up until then where I really felt like I was helping other people and not just helping rich people get richer. <laughs> um, and that's what I've always wanted to do with my life. Other than, you know, music, I really just wanted to help people, help animals, things like that. So, um, so I kept doing it no matter what else I was doing with all these other jobs I had, I was still training on the side. I just really enjoyed it. Um, and then, you know, September 11th happened and it really, um, made me kind of reevaluate my life. And at that time I was a computer consultant and about 5,000 of us got laid off at that time. And I happened to be dating someone who lived in Los Angeles at the time. And I was living in Chicago at that time. And so I decided, um, you know, let me, let me move to Los Angeles and um, let me give this personal training thing a go. So that's when I went into it full time and I haven't looked back since. Interesting story. And um, thanks. <laughs> it seems like you had your fair share at experiencing a ton of uh, different things. And it seems like you found what you really like. And that's awesome. I do. You know, I'm really lucky because I, I also am still a musician. I sing in bands and everything. So I get to do all the things I love. So I'm pretty, pretty darn lucky. So, um... When did you decide to adopt a meat-free diet? And I, I, I intentionally call it meat-free because I'm not sure if you, if you're a full-fledged uh, vegetarian, vegetarian, or do you eat any sort of animal products or none at all? No, I'm a, I'm a strict vegan, so I don't, uh, I don't even eat. Um, honey I messed really. those terms up, right? Right. Yeah, I don't do eggs. I don't <laughs> do dairy. I don't do honey. Um, honey is one of those things that like, if I find out it's in my food, I'm not going to be terribly upset about it, but I don't like actively seek it out. But you know, everything else is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty strict. Um, and I've been that way since 2000. Um, and that was because at that time I met some vegans and I really didn't understand anything about it. Um, and I, I you know, to me, it was like, I understood vegetarian, like I got that, okay, if you don't eat meat, because I'd been slowly kind of going that way anyways, like ever since I was a little, little kid, I've been a huge animal lover. So when I was like five, I figured out that the lobsters in the tank were the ones that go on your plate. And so I never wanted any more kind of shellfish looking thing after that. Although I still would eat shrimp, I guess for some reason it didn't associate shrimp with it. But you know, anything that looked like a lobster or a crab or anything like that, I just stopped eating. And then when I was in college, I stopped eating chicken. Um, oh, red meat. Yeah, I stopped eating red meat in grade school because we did a uh, we did like one of those field trips to one of those kind of mock 18th century villages. And in that little kind of museum village that we went to, there was a mock butcher shop and there was a cow hanging up to dry outside. And that was it for me. I stopped eating red meat after that. And then in college, I just realized I hadn't eaten chicken in two months and I wasn't trying not to. So I just stopped eating chicken and everything else I was still doing. I was still doing some types of fish and shrimp. And then I was still doing eggs and um, a lot of eggs and cheese. And I met these vegans and I didn't really get it um, because you don't kill the cow, you know, to get the milk and you don't, in my mind, and, and you don't kill that chicken to get the egg. And so... What they said to me was, well, why don't you do
do some research and let us know what you come up with. And that was really the best thing they could have said to me because if they had just been like, look at this picture of a bloody cow, you know, or something like that, that is a big turnoff to me. And I'd always been turned off to veganism because of that mentality where they're just shoving, you know, horrible video and pictures in your face. And while that stuff is completely a valid argument, as far as I'm concerned, it was a big turnoff and it made me feel like I was a bad person because I wasn't eating like them. And I didn't feel like I was a bad person. Um, and I feel like if you, if you want somebody to think the way that you think, or if you want to convince somebody of your mindset, the worst thing you can do is try and make them feel bad about themselves for feeling the way that they feel or to imply that they are a lesser person than you or a worse person than you because they're not. They're just, you know, they have their own mindset and you have your mindset and then, you know, sometimes a little education can go a long way. And for me, the best thing they could have said to me was do your own research. And so that's what I did. Um, and I started looking up things and I realized that, you know, how closely related the dairy industry and the egg industry were to the meat industry. And I realized that I just couldn't live with my morality anymore and still eat what I was eating. So I just went vegan at that point. There's a lot uh, I want to touch on from there. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on specifically, because like you mentioned, you don't have this um, aggressive attitude, I guess I can call it, against other people who are not uh, sharing your views and the nutritional approach. Well, you know, I even I wrote a blog post about it not very long ago because it was bothering me so much. The, the stupidity that I saw in the attitudes not only, I mean, it's, there's a lot of vegans with bad attitudes, but it's not just from the vegans, it's from the other side too. There's just some really just hostile, just nasty stuff. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is a lot of vegans trying to get a message out there are doing it really poorly. Um, and they're doing it in a way that turns people off. Um, and they're doing it in a way that they're spreading misinformation as well, which is one of the reasons I wrote the book that I wrote is because it's just a lot of bad information out there on both sides um but it was really getting to me and the post that i wrote kind of went viral a little bit and i think part of why it went vi viral was because there were so many people who weren't vegans who were like see vegans you're doing things wrong and you're you know this is a vegan saying this and you know i think there is some uh haha you you did it wrong in there um which okay but at the same time um at least I got the message out that I was trying to get out. Right. So I wanted to address this a bit later, but we can just tackle it right now. So instead of this common, um, I called it emotional blackmailing, because that's really what it is. Yeah. What would be the better approach if you were trying to convince wouldn't be the best term, but simply expose them to what your perspective is? Yeah. I mean, look, if you try to scare somebody into doing something, they may do what you want, but that it's not going to last for if you try to scare somebody into being a vegan, like this, uh, this documentary that came out, what the health, the whole thing about it was trying to terrify people into becoming vegan. And it freaking worked. Um, a lot of people became vegan because of that movie. I don't think it's a good thing. Number one, because I don't believe in spreading misinformation, but also because when you try to spread propaganda and convert people based on fear, it's not sustainable. And what happens is all these people go vegan and they have no idea what they're doing. And so they do it in a way that is potentially going to make them quite sick or do it in a way that they're just going to get tired of. It. It's kind of like going on a diet. 
you know it's like okay i'm gonna do this for the month of january and then i'm done you know that kind of thing so i don't feel like they're creating a sustainable vegan base based on this movie and i feel like they're doing it in a way that's very um very underhanded um so i think a better way is, is just to use the use the science that's out there there is science out there there's not enough of it but there is and you know don't use um don't try to cherry pick the science i think you know that and that happens a lot both ends is where people cherry pick things to try to prove a point um the china study is something that did that um and that's something that a lot of vegans are very proud of the China study. And, you know, granted, the China study is a great base of science. There's, there's a lot of science that they did, but they cherry picked it. Um, and so you end up with, we're going to show you the stuff we want you to see in order to make you think the way we think. And so I take issue with that. So I, I am a big believer in evidence-based, but not cherry-picked knowledge, if that makes sense. So when I wrote my book, what I did was I... I had the science and then I gave it to people who were not vegan, like uh, Jose Antonio and to uh, Mike Israel. I gave it to them and had them read it over and tell me if I was on the right track. And they, you know, they gave me whatever edits they were going to give me. And that was that. And that's one of the reasons why Mike wrote the foreword for my book is because he had read it already. This peer reviewing process by Mike and Jose are, uh, must have been excellent because both of them are uh, far from what we would be considered a vegan. Exactly. And they're also very well known um, in, the, in the nutrition world. So they're very um, high level and, and have a lot of knowledge. And, you know, although they may or may not agree with my lifestyle, they can tell me whether or not my science is good. Yeah, for sure. So before we go into any more details, I think it would be useful to clarify the difference between the vegans, vegetarians, because initially I think I messed up because I said you were a full-fledged vegetarian, which you... <laughs> It's not the... Well, I am, but I'm like a vegetarian plus. <laughs> Vegetarians generally do dairy and eggs, and vegans do not. So that's the difference. Um, and vegans are, as a general rule, we're going to avoid leather um, or you know any animal-based products for you know as much as possible. So the idea is to avoid as much as possible. Obviously, there's only so much you can do. And you have to draw your line somewhere. And everybody tries to argue with me, whoa, what about this? What about that? Look, you have to draw your line somewhere. So if somebody starts saying, well, why do you drive your car? And why do you have tires? Because those have animal parts. Look, there's only so much you can do. And I'm doing a hell of a lot um, as far as one individual can do. So I have my line. Other people may not use tires or their car and they have their line. So, you know, ask, telling people and trying to shove that in their face is kind of... Um, it's irritating um, and a little bit ridiculous. But in any case, my line is I try like heck not to eat or consume or wear any animal products as much as possible. And, I'm, you know, if I get a car, I don't get leather sheets. If I get furniture, it's not leather, stuff like that. There is, you know, a little bit of a debate in my head over um, leather versus pleather because a lot of the non-leather, non-animal, you know, the PVC leathers because i'm a i'm a heavy metal polyurethane musician. yeah exactly i'm a i'm a heavy metal musician and so i wear a lot of that stuff on stage but it's really bad for the environment <laughs> so you know it's uh but then so is a lot of the processing for leather as well so that's always an argument in my head which is gonna be worse 
you know. But I just, as a general rule, just stay away from the animal product. And there are a lot of uh, variations, if I can call them such. Some include eggs, some include fish, some include... Yeah, there's vegetarians who don't eat dairy but do eat eggs. There's vegetarians who don't eat eggs but do eat dairy. But none of those would be called vegan because if you're vegan, you don't eat any of that stuff. Okay, thanks for the clarification. Sure. So I want to make a distinction between... um, plant-based diets and vegetarian or rather uh, vegan diets because this is something that honestly irks me a bit because um, whenever some someone brings up a plant-based diet they automatically talk about a vegan diet whereas um, meat eater can have a plant-based diet because you can have a diet made of 90% plants and have some meat or on the other side and I know people like that personally who are vegans and hardly consume any plants so uh well plant-based diet has got such a loose definition doesn't it so that's um you know that's something that i don't even know that people have a, a technical definition for at this point i don't know that people have agreed on what that is but to me if you eat a lot of vegetables you can say you have a plant-based diet i guess you know yeah for sure um, and i think the people that you've previously uh, i guess mentioned who who were just um, scared and just shift to this uh, eating style just they automatically think that if they just avoid red meat well then all of their hair problems are solved and then they start eating simply all kinds of um, junk and crap foods that are simply don't have any animal products but they can still have a lot of sugar and processed oils and all that stuff totally oreos are vegan (laughs) so what are the main concerns associated with the vegan diet or what are the main um i guess um if you talk about simply from a an objective point of view the ethical the economical and maybe the environmental considerations and i think the ethical ones are a bit subjective because you can't really tell to anyone what what their views should be so i guess maybe the environmental ones would be the most um, relevant for everyone yeah there is a fair amount of research now that shows that you know the meat industry is one of the most detrimental things to the environment right now even just the land that's been cleared to feed livestock is tremendous and um you know the methane gas and there's just a lot of problems and the amount of water that is used and that kind of thing and it's kind of ironic that california has a huge portion of the farmland in America. A lot of the cattle and things like that are raised here. And then a lot of our land um, is used for alfalfa. And a lot of that alfalfa is not used for even this country. A lot of the alfalfa is shipped to China and other countries. <laughs> and it's kind of ridiculous because California is constantly in a drought. But we create we, we create most of the food for our country um, and for other countries as well. So, um, yeah, if it's been kind of proven uh, in a lot of scientific studies that if people would even just cut down their meat intake significantly, it would do a lot of good for the environment. So, you know, you don't even necessarily have to go vegan, just cut down. Um, and it makes uh, a huge difference. And I think that's mainly red meat, right? Uh, you know, any meat really, um, because we are overfishing. And, you know, while chicken and um, poultry is better than red meat for the environment, it's still, you know, it's not as good as vegetables. So, you know, same thing, you know, if you cut down, if you cut out red meat and ate chicken and fish, that would be great. If you cut out chicken, even better. If you cut out fish, fantastic, because we are overfishing. And so that needs to be done sustainably, and it's just not. Um, But the way that we're currently running our agricultural world, it's not sustainable for the environment. And so one of the better ways to kind of help is to at least cut down on 
particularly red meat, but also other types of meat. Yeah, I'll have to be honest. I I haven't looked all that deeply into this uh, environmental issue. I've seen some random articles and stuff saying that, well, um, actually red meat isn't all that bad, but intuitively, <laughs> yeah, I would probably agree. And even personally, I don't eat a whole lot of red meat because it's just expensive. And honestly, I'm fine with that. So it would be fine <laughs> even if it became just kind of a luxury food because, well, <laughs> shit, I don't eat caviar or however <laughs> you pronounce that. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's there's going to be some science that says that it's not that bad. But most of what's out there says otherwise you know so i'm I'm just going with the majority right now sure so this question actually was asked by someone in a group so when they mentioned um economical concerns i guess what they meant is whether a vegan diet would be uh, cheaper or more expensive than a traditional diet i guess um you know in my experience it's cheaper but it really depends how you do it because you can make anything expensive i tend to shop at much higher end stores And so that's automatically going to make it more expensive. But I also grow a lot of my own food in my garden. um, And so that helps save money to some degree. But then again, the process of gardening can be expensive as well, depending how you do it. But, you know, you can also buy food at, you know, my, my, I have one friend who gets almost all, we have, I don't know if you have anything like this in your country, but in my country, we have these things called dollar stores where everything in the store costs a dollar. And I have a vegan friend uh, who buys almost all of his produce exclusively from the dollar store. And he, uh, he has a cookbook out too, and his food is fantastic. So um, he does his on a, on a pretty strict budget and he does really well with it. So it really just depends how you do it. Interesting. We have, um, things like that at least we used to have them but they were usually just secondhand uh, clothes so well they used to be you know they used to be places where you would just find out buy crap you know but they've they've become bigger and bigger and so now they have you know produce and all kinds of things that you can get pretty good deals on so you can do quite well um, on a budget as a vegan you just have to know what to buy or where to buy it are you in Romania? I thought you were in Hungary. No, I'm in Romania. Yeah, I'm I'm Hungarian. Oh, that's cool. My family comes from Romania. Really? I think I've seen Brad mention something about him having Romanian origins, but that's very cool. Yeah, my grandparents, uh, my grandfather and grandmother, and uh, I think so, a couple on my mom's side as well came from Romania. Very cool. Yeah, I, I actually hope that one day um, I can organize a fitness conference or something and uh, have Brad on to talk about uh, muscle hypertrophy, but uh, it's going to be a, a while since, uh, yeah. You are kind of a bit behind with the science. Anyway, so um, what do you think about the um, false claims? And we've already mentioned um, what the health and um, the China study, false claims that are being made and these um, essentially false infographics that are being created just as a means to pursue someone that is not a vegan into being a vegan. Like I said, I just, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in trying to shove your agenda down people's throats using half-truths. I believe in giving people good information and letting them make their decision based on that. And do you, would you agree that they are actively harming the vegan community? Because that's my opinion, honestly. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's, they're they're harming the community the same way that the, the low-carb people are, you know, are harming the, the nutrition industry. It's like, it's not necessarily like you can do it. There's nothing wrong with it, but at least tell the truth about it. You know, like uh, I, I'm not going to put down low carb, but I, but I am going to say that a lot of the low carb people are like, no, you have to, if you 
you know, drink coconut oil, it's going to make you lose weight, things like that. No, (laughs) no, that's not true. And at least, you know, if you're going to do that, give people the facts so they can make better choices. Don't give them bad information. Um, And that goes for anything, really. I think it's sad because I'm a bit more open-minded, but let's say someone who's a hardcore meat eater when they see a fast claim like it's kind of a joke when like a car dealer trying to sell me into <laughs> buying a bmw or something they and they would be using a, a liar if i found out about it i would never buy a bmw again <laughs> just for just for the sake of it i'm in a kind of an interesting position in that i have a foot in the fitness and strength community i have a foot in the heavy metal community and i have a foot in the vegan community And the way that information is being put out by a lot of vegans, they're a joke to the rest of the world, it seems like. I mean, people are constantly putting down veganism, putting down vegans and things like that. Some of it has to do with food bias. Um, Some of it has to do with if you're like the, the mentality that if you don't eat meat, you're somehow less of a person. But there's also just because people in the vegan community have been so aggressive oh yeah and poorly aggressive that it's turned people off and i think that's a huge problem i'm trying very hard to change that i'm not sure about the you're a lesser man like that that's ridiculous honestly objectively speaking but the other part yeah like do you know the old joke that how do you know if someone is a vegan they tell you (laughs) yeah and it's so dumb because there's so many of us who aren't like that but you know we're not very loud so <laughs> there's that youtuber the vegan gains guy who was just uh, attacking everyone yeah don't even get me started on that now that, that guy and the freaking what's she the banana girl oh my god uh, she's another one um there's a few of them uh who have very loud voices um and not a lot behind it i think the thing about me is my objective is not to try to convert people my objective is to educate people and let them decide on their own because i feel like that's really the only way that if somebody's going to make a decision, they need to do it based on the information that they collect and they can make their decisions that way. I don't feel like I can do anything to convince somebody else to do something. I can just provide them with information and then they can do with that what they want. Yeah, for sure. That's the approach I try to take with everything as well. doesn't work out as intended always, but most of the time it's, at least in the long term, it's the better approach to take. So what are the most common misconceptions about vegan diets that you see, maybe even on the positive and on the negative side? So um, let's say, well, um, you can get all of all of your nutrients from a vegan diet, for example. And there's the other extreme that, well, uh, you can't be healthy on a vegan diet. So Yeah, that's funny because I just, I just wrote another, I've written like five articles about this for different, different outlets about this because it's you know, it comes up so much. But yeah, the ones that I hear the most is, number one, there's no such thing as a healthy vegan. Um, and obviously, I mean, I can be N equals one right here and say that's not true based on me um, and based on a lot of the vegan athletes that are out there. Um, but, you know, that aside, the if you look at the research that's currently out there, and there's not enough of it, but there's some, um, if you look at what is out there, a well-designed vegan diet has been shown to be as healthy if not healthier than a diet including meat and dairy. Just the key words are well-designed. And the problem is, is most people do not do it well. Um, But a lot of research is, you know, a lot more research is needed. But the current evidence 
basically says that a vegan diet can properly fuel an athlete the way an omnivorous diet can and uh, and just a regular person and in a lot of ways they're healthier because generally there's lifestyle things that go along with being vegetarian or being vegan a lot of the times those people just live healthier lives they tend to exercise more they tend to eat a lot more vegetables they tend to not smoke you know things like that so there are other lifestyle factors that go along with that, but for the most part, what it's been shown is that if you are vegetarian or vegan, you are as healthier, if not healthier, than someone who eats meat, uh, and that is if you do it correctly, which most people don't do it correctly, and that brings you to your other point, which is people are constantly saying on the vegan side, oh, I can get everything I need from my vegan diet, um, and I don't have to supplement, and that is completely untrue. There are things missing. Whenever you cut something out of your diet, you will be missing things and you have to make up for that. And there are things that you simply cannot get from from plants, like B12. Cannot get it from plants. Um, the only vegan source of B12 is nutritional yeast, um, which, uh, you know, you can use it as a, you know, mix it into like cheese type sauces and things like that. But you can also take a supplement and things like that. So that's something that you have to do as a vegan. Another thing that is difficult to get as a vegan is omega-3 fatty acids, um, but not just omega-3 fatty acids, but the marine-based ones, the DHA and the EPA. Those are really important because your brain is 80% DHA, you know? Um, so for brain function, for eye function, for, you know, hair and skin and for your metabolism and your bone health and things like that, you need DHA and EPA. And you can get omega-3 fatty acids from a vegan diet. You can get it from flax seeds and chia seeds and walnuts and things like that. But you can't get the DHA and the EPA because they don't break down like that. Um, the only place you can get DHA and EPA is from the ocean. You can get it from algae. And actually, fish get their DHA and EPA from algae. They don't naturally contain it. They get it from eating algae. So you're really just kind of cutting out the middleman when you eat uh, an algae oil-based supplement. Um, and the studies on those supplements is that they do increase the DHA and the EPA in the bloodstream of people who don't eat fish. So you, um, you can get it from algae and you don't get fish burps that way. So that works out pretty well. And then, uh, another one is calcium. Um, a lot of vegans have been shown that, uh, their bones are a little, are not in as good shape as people who are omnivores. So you do have to either supplement calcium or eat foods that are fortified in it or eat foods that are really calcium heavy. A lot of green vegetables tend to have a lot of calcium but tend to have a lot of anti-nutrients that bind calcium, so you have to keep that in mind. Vitamin D is another one. Um, you got to go out in the sun. But, you know, it seems like everybody's deficient in vitamin C, but, uh, according to their doctors, uh, vitamin D, according to their doctors these days, you know. But there is a vegan version of D3, which is the one that comes from meat usually. And it's, uh, the vegan version is grown from uh, lichen or fungi. And, uh, you know, they're, they're lichen that have been sitting in the sun for a while. So they get to D3 and you can take it as a vegan. So that works out pretty well. People who are vegan and vegetarian and especially women, and especially women who are postmenopausal, they tend to be more deficient in iron. And even though in the vegan diet, their intakes are actually higher then in, um, they, you know, the studies show that when vegans, the iron in their food is much higher than in omnivores. But the problem is, is that it's a type of iron that we don't absorb as well. The other good news about the vegan diet is it's really high in vitamin C. And vitamin C helps increase the absorption of the non-heme iron that we eat. The vegan diet has been recommended that you should eat around two times the iron that is recommended for people who are omnivores. 
So you do have to eat a lot more. I haven't talked about zinc. So the studies are a little confusing on the zinc because the studies generally show that vegans are a higher risk for zinc deficiency. But it also seems like they adapt to it better. So they still have the same immune function, which zinc helps your immune. Um, so that's something that's really interesting. But, you know, the problem with the zinc and the iron both is that the things that block their absorption are the things that can help increase their absorption. So you can sprout and you can ferment. Also, like if you add things like garlic and onion, that can increase the zinc absorption and the iron absorption of your food. And then I think we talked about protein a little bit. And then, you know, one of the issues with protein is that, you know, people are just like, oh, well, I eat beans and I'm fine. But the thing is, is that beans are not a complete protein. Um, beans are usually somewhere between, uh, I think they score between like a 50 and a 70% on the um, PDC AAS scale, the, the protein quality scale. Um, the highest quality protein is soy protein. Um, soy protein scores a one, which is actually higher than some meats. And then mycoprotein is very, very high. I think it's a, a 99, if I'm recalling correctly. So those two are, a mycoprotein is a mushroom protein. They use it in a product called corn, Q-U-O-R-N. So the mushroom protein and the soy protein are the highest scoring. But everything else is, you know, somewhere between 50 and 70. Um, some things are even lower than that. Quinoa is one people that like to throw around. Uh, quinoa scores somewhere around an 80%. And so it's pretty good, but you do have to, you know, you can't just use it alone. I usually recommend that vegans take a protein shake every day. Just kind of make sure, especially if you're an athlete, you want to have a, some kind of a vegan protein shake. And then you just eat a wide variety of protein containing things. Um, I really recommend sprouting your grains, sprouting your corn, sprouting your beans, whatever you can sprout, sprout it because it tends to allow you to get more protein. The protein quality is higher and then the nutrient quality tends to be higher as well. So you can take in the iron and the zinc and all that stuff. So that's my spiel on nutrition. Yeah, you've touched on uh, quite a few of the most common nutritional concerns and um, nutrient deficiencies that people might experience on a vegan diet. Simply objectively speaking, if we put aside the ethical issues, it seems like a big um, hassle, honestly, to consider all these things when you could include red meat and eggs and uh, liver or something like that, and then you would be set from nutritional point of view. You know, it can be. It's way easier now than it's ever been. When I went vegan, it was not easy. Before I went vegan, it must have been really, really hard. But nowadays, because there's so many, you know, more and more people kind of coming over to the vegan side... Um, there's a lot more vegan products out there and a lot more things um, that are easily accessible. So that's a good thing. But yeah, it's definitely a lot more work. You, and that's why it has to be something you really want to do. Um, it's not something you can just jump into lightly. But it's like any other diet that people got to jump on, you know, like paleo or, or Atkins or whatever. If you're cutting things out of your diet, it is going to be more work to make sure that you get everything you need. So it's just how bad do you want to do it? You've mentioned that uh, vegans in general are usually healthier than regular people because... If they do it correctly. Of course, that's the that's kind of the um, disclaimer that has to be considered throughout this whole discussion because I talk about this and you talk about this with the idea in mind that it's a well-thought-out vegan diet, not just Oreos and, uh, and beans or something. Yeah, totally. A lot of people are like, they, they're like, oh, I used to be vegan, but it made me really sick, so I had to stop. And so the question is, well, were you doing it right? Because chances are you weren't. And a lot of people replace meat with bread 
and bread is not a replacement for meat. So, you know, things like that are replaced meat with, um, my sister's ex-husband actually decided to go vegetarian for a while and he didn't eat vegetables. So it was strange, but mostly what he ate is Doritos and M&Ms. And yeah, you're probably not going to do very well on that diet. I just wanted to mention that anytime someone goes on a diet, meaning they adapt a structured approach instead of just eating whatever, whatever it's in front of them or in their reach of hands or something that automatically increases awareness and probably that simply increases their nutrition quality and um, whole food intake probably. I think it's really good that people are starting to pay a lot more attention to what they're putting in their bodies, even if it's, you know, I mean, it's misinformed a lot of the time, and but at least people are paying attention. That's important. The deficiency one is interesting. Have you ever heard about um, Chris Masterjohn's story with his uh, vegan experiment? No. Do you know who Chris is? I've heard the name, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> he's probably one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to nutrition. And he went on a vegan diet, I'm not sure for how long, and he essentially came up with a ton of cavities and... Uh, then he came across Western Price's work and um, he reintroduced the traditional foods that um, people were consuming, eggs and liver and um, dairy and all that kind of stuff, and his health improved. So I wouldn't suppose that he just went on a retarded vegan diet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows how he did it, um, but I'm guessing if he is well-versed in nutrition, he probably did it well. But, you know, there is the, the calcium aspect, and he just made somebody who didn't adapt well to it who knows it's not for everybody and there are some other nutrients that came into my mind for example vitamin k2 and um, the ones found in eggs so for example biotin or choline is there any way to get those on a vegan diet uh k2 i want to say it's in prunes if i'm not mistaken um off the top of my head i can't remember and there's that um fermented natto whatever it's called yeah although natto is gross choline you can get from like spinach and uh beets and i, I think um i want to say it's in whole wheat as well don't quote me on that biotin is it's available in a lot of vegetarian sources um i think beans and nuts honestly i i don't even know because i don't work with full-fledged vegan people honestly <laughs> i'm obviously not a vegan myself so um again if we if you don't do this for an ethical point of view like to me it's it's not really the wisest choice to simply go abandon all this is something that annoys me some people claim that well um the vegan diet is the healthiest diet ever <laughs> no it's not it can be if you do it right i mean that's what it comes down to but you know the nutrients that you just mentioned there are vegan sources of those whole wheat is a good source of most of that stuff and then beans and nuts and stuff like that so you know the, the ones that i mentioned are generally the ones that you can't get from a vegan diet or you can get them but they're not as well absorbed but the ones that you mentioned, I mean, yeah, you can definitely get them in eggs and meat and things like that. But there are also vegetarian sources that you can get them from. So it's not too hard to do that. But, you know, I think really everybody, almost everybody has some kind of a imbalance in their diet if they're not paying attention, even omnivores. Oh, you know what I didn't mention is creatine. Um, most vegans don't get any creatine in their diet. And um, while it's not, you know, a required nutrient it is something that i recommend everybody take yeah so it's definitely possible to cover your nutritional needs if you use supplements it's just going to take a lot more work so i think we covered the um, protein intake aspect but someone asked um, what are your thoughts on meat substitutes and 
you've mentioned, for example, mycoprotein and soy, and there are the other ones like um, texture vegetable protein. This one actually was brought into my attention by a friend who is a vegan, and he said to me I could use it as a replacement for my cottage cheese, which I'm not really inclined to switch my cottage cheese with textured vegetable protein. I don't know if I would eat that instead of cottage cheese. <laughs> um, you can make a vegan cottage cheese out of tofu. I've done it before. But I'm not a big cottage cheese person, so I don't really care. So what are your thoughts on these meat substitutes overall? You know, look, I don't have a problem with them. A lot of people have a problem with them. Uh, they complain about them, whatever. One question that people ask a lot is, well, why would you want to make something that tastes like meat if you don't want to eat meat? And the fact of the matter is most of us didn't stop eating meat because we don't like meat. We stopped eating meat because we don't want to kill anything. So we don't care if it tastes like meat. It actually is kind of nice to have some variety in your diet. We, we just don't, don't have the desire to have anything die for. Some of it is certainly significantly more chemical and processed than others. But I don't really have a problem with vegan substitutes. I use them a fair amount. There are some that I like more than others. I use them to add texture and flavor to food. Some of them are great sources of protein, depending on the kind. And they're getting better and better all the time, which is pretty exciting. So yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. But I know a lot of people do. What do you think about using soy as a main protein source? Because it has a good amino acid profile, but... um there is that whole concern with uh, the estrogen content and the... most of that is bullshit most of the studies done on soy that demonstrate anything like that have been done on animals not on humans so there is that to be considered and the studies that have been done on humans just for the most part just don't show that and the amount of soy that you would need to cause a problem is astronomical and way more phytonutrients than anybody would get in a normal day if they ate so even if they ate a fair amount of soy it's way more phytonutrients than you would ever eat in a day it's really bullshit but the way i see it is if you do not want to eat soy or you don't feel good when you eat soy then don't eat soy but for most people it's really not going to cause a problem yeah and it thickens up nicely for two years or so i used the soy protein supplement because i didn't have money to buy away <laughs> funny one and funny times and it just tasted like ass <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't taste great. I don't eat soy protein on its own. I just, soy protein and pea protein, the taste is just awful. Most of the supplements that I take are pea protein, but it's mixed with other stuff. And so I'm somehow able to choke it down, but it's just not that tasty. But I just can't do soy protein. It's <laughs> it's so beany. But I do like, you know, I use tofu and I use uh, soy meats sometimes and, you know, things like that. It really doesn't bother me. I had a client who complained about having to drink chocolate whey shakes and I told him that he had no idea what how well that tasted compared to some of the products I took <laughs> throughout my, my, my years. Oh, totally. The search for a good tasting vegan protein shake is long and arduous. Yeah, I can imagine. So um, regardless if someone includes animal products or not, we should all be eating a ton of vegetables. For yourself, do you favor organic or conventional produce? And uh, does it matter to you if it's locally grown or not? Uh, from an environmental standpoint, and most of the time from a taste standpoint, locally grown produce and seasonably grown produce just tastes better and is you know obviously uses fewer fossil fuels and things like that so as a general rule i try to stick with that but you know it's not always feasible and we're very fortunate to live in a world where we can get produce from all over the world but as a general rule i try to do local as much as possible and what about organic versus conventional produce the organic thing is kind of bullshit that's been shown i do buy organic foods 
Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that they are necessarily better than non-organic foods. From a perspective of not wanting to have more pesticides on my foods, that's generally why I do it. But actually, organic foods aren't always pesticide-free. You know, a lot of the pesticides used in nearby farms gets blown on them and things like that. So, you know, when it comes down to it, you just do what you can do. But I don't always buy organic. Um, I don't really believe... That organic is better and there's a lot of data to support me on that yeah and organic definitely uses pesticides too and those can be uh, less efficacious and than the conventional ones so you have to use more of them so it's a messy issue what about the environment because i was listening to a podcast with someone that said well organic is better than <laughs> conventional for the environment and that's that goes against what i've seen i think the jury's still out on that i've seen a lot of data that says that that is not the case I've seen some data that says that that is true. It's kind of hard for me to say right now. I just try to stick with locally grown and, you know, ideally places that I know where my food is coming from and then I don't worry about it so much. Yeah, that's pretty much what I try to do as well. So how excited are you about the prospect of soon being able to consume um, lab-grown meat? I'm excited that they're doing it. I think that that is a huge step in the right direction. I think it's going to cut way down on factory farming. But, you know, it has been so long since I've had meat, I do not crave it. And I'm not sure that I want to eat it at this point. But I'm not ethically opposed to it at all. I mean, well, of course, it depends on how they obtain the cells. You know, I would hope that they would obtain the cells in a way that doesn't harm any animals. But other than that, I think it's going to save a lot of lives. I think that's fantastic. Um, I don't know that I will partake, but I'm 100% supportive of it. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. And honestly, if it, if it looks like meat and it tastes like meat and it has the amino acids and the nutrients and all that. Yeah, then who cares, right? Chances are if it's grown in a lab, it's probably going to be better for you than meat that's not grown in a lab just because it's going to be free of a lot of contaminants. There's that too. And um, let's say if they took a muscle fiber and from an animal and um, that's not invasive because we do that to humans all the time. We take biopsies. So what do you think about the other um, protein sources that are coming up? For example, um, I've seen this in, a, I think, in a Joe Rogan video, Raptorianism, reptilianism. So essentially you would eat um, crocodiles and stuff because apparently those don't. I don't know anything about that. But, how, you know, look, you know, if there's a reason why they want to do that or even if there's not, you know, look, I don't judge people based on their food choices because not everybody has my morality. And so as far as I'm concerned, if what you're doing is working for you, then I have no problem with it. I would love it if everyone in the world went vegan, you know, but that's not my objective. It's not my objective to make everybody in the world vegan. I'm very supportive of whatever's working for you. What about insect protein? <laughs> you know, go for it. Why not? Right. Uh, if, if, it, if it works for you, I wouldn't do it, of course. But uh, if it works for you, when I was in Thailand, I saw lots of the street vendors selling insects. And it's a major source of protein in a lot of countries in the world. And I think it's sustainable, probably way more sustainable than, than cows. So, yeah, go for it. Yeah, there's a huge um, community issue, I guess, or simply growing up, you're not used to that kind of food. So I would find it difficult to imagine that it, at least in the next decade or something, it would be widespread in Europe, for example, because <laughs> we are not used to that. Yeah, and people have been brought up to believe that insects are gross and everything, but really... It is a much more sustainable form of protein. So I'm more supportive of that than I am of beef, really, um, from an environmental standpoint and from an ethical standpoint. I mean, well, ethics, I don't know. I don't know if insects, I'm not sure about the sentience of insects. I haven't done a lot of research on it. But if they feel pain, then it bothers me. You know, if they're 
feeling tortured, then it bothers me. But from an environmental standpoint, then yeah, absolutely. It's way better than, than beef. Great. So I think we covered this topic. We went through a lot of stuff and there's a lot uh, for people to chew on, <laughs> pun intended. So um, are there any final thoughts, messages you would like to leave people with? final um summary or something don't be an asshole <laughs> don't be an asshole and eat what you want to eat and call it a day <laughs> that's pretty much it you know that's my message is if you're going to try to spread dogma make sure you're doing it in an intelligent and fact-based method and not just trying to terrify people um or make fun of people or or anything like that because i sure as hell don't like it when people on the other side you know make assumptions about me based on my diet and so i think it's really important for people to just let things be get educated and uh, and let let people do what they're going to do you know as long as they're not hurting themselves or anybody else i think it's fine brilliant just got reminded we haven't touched on your book at all so um please tell us what uh, the book is about because um, you've mentioned previously that your disdain with the whole um, emotional blackmailing was partially what got you into writing it. Well, yeah, the, the whole reason I wrote the book was because there wasn't anything out there that wasn't cherry picked and that wasn't biased. And it was I just felt like there was it was time to put unbiased information out there and let people make educated choices. And then I wanted to throw in recipes that I really enjoy because I feel like they're recipes that anyone would like, even people who eat meat. So then they have options. So if they want to have a meat free Monday, and maybe it'll make people eat less meat and that'll be great, you know? So if they want to have a meat-free Monday and they make something from my book, fantastic. You know, I tried to make things as simple um, as possible and tried to give options for people who don't, you know, want to eat soy or people who don't want to eat meat substitutes. I tried to do options for that. And then I tried to use ingredients that were relatively easy to come by. And, you know, my photographs are not artwork. <laughs> um, they're not beautiful. I kind of did that by, by design because that's, in my kitchen, that's what food looks like. It doesn't look like what you'd get in a restaurant. And I think most people's kitchens, it doesn't look like what you get in a restaurant. So I just try to be real with my facts and real with my food. So that was the whole thing. Awesome. And uh, I'm sure there will be many people who would want to check out your book after they listen to this podcast. And I will make sure to link it in the description so they can find it easily. Thank you. So if um, anyone wants to get in contact with you, what are the social media accounts they can find you? I'm very Facebookable. I'm all over Facebook. And I'm on Instagram at five feet of fury one. I think it's five FT of fury one. And I am YouTubeable. At, I think it's the same thing as my Instagram. I think it's at five feet of fury one. And I'm on Twitter, which I want to say is also at five feet of fury one or something like that. But anyway, if you look up my name, I'm pretty much the only Melody Schoenfeld on the planet, as far as I can tell. Awesome. That That's always nice if you have a name that's um, uncommon and can be easily found. And you're not just um, the 50 million uh, John Smith. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I, I changed my name from John Smith to Melody Schoenfeld. So that worked out well for me. Awesome. With that, I would like to ask you the final question that I always like to end these episodes on. And that is simply, what is your definition of success? Um, my definition of success, I would say if you are happy and comfortable, then you have succeeded. So if you're happy with your life and, and you're comfortable in your lifestyle, then you have succeeded. Awesome. And I think this relates perfectly to our topic. If you are comfortable with the decisions you make, then that's great. Yeah, most of my life has been very uncomfortable in order to get me where I am, but I'm very happy. Um, but I have a roof over my head and I'm not starving and I'm doing good. So Whether someone will um, decide to adopt a vegan lifestyle or not, 
I'm sure they will find a um, ton of value in this uh, discussion and I hope um, they will start eating more fruits and vegetables because that's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing and I, I would hope so because what's been really cool is that people who I did not expect to buy my book have been buying my book and uh, a lot of them have added a meatless night or have said, you know, I don't want to go vegan, but I think I'm going to cut way down. And that's been really cool. Um, it's it's really cool to, to see people who I didn't expect to make those kinds of decisions to actually be making them. Yeah, I have a ton of days when I don't eat meat at all due to other reasons. Usually it's uh, simply time restraint or laziness to cook. But um, if someone, uh, even if they simply start, if they buy a book and find uh, more and better ways to cook vegetables i think that's a great step towards a better health absolutely if you just realize that vegan food isn't just salads and lentils you know then that's that's great awesome and um with that i think we'll uh, end this um episode so i would like to thank you a lot for coming on sure thank you for having me my pleasure and i'm glad we were able to tackle this um highly sensitive topic in a chill and uh, evidence-based matter so in a civil fashion exactly without any ad hominems and uh, calling each other names so that's great nobody's punched anybody so it worked out <laughs> okay thanks again and um, we'll talk soon all right man take care and that was episode 11 of the muscle engineer podcast with melody schoenfeld as you could hear, a vegan and a meat eater can have a sane and rational conversation, so I hope this provides a good example of how discourses should occur between people with different dietary choices. I also hope you found the episode valuable and learned something from it. As always, I'd appreciate if you would share it with a friend and left me a review on iTunes. So with that out of the way, let's get into the usual key take-home points I like to end the episodes on. First key message is around the proper way you should approach the conversation with someone who you're trying to expose to a new idea or change their beliefs or anything like that, especially when it comes to such an emotionally loaded topic such as veganism. And we touched on this in episode 1 of the podcast with Danny Lennon, so check that out if you want to go in depth on the proper way to communicate. In any case, if you're trying to convince someone to change their mind, Shaming them and making them feel like a bad person is really not a good approach to take. And I would love if we stop judging people based on the dietary choices or what foods they choose to eat or not to eat. This whole dietary tribalism is retarded and has to stop if you want to have any chance of communicating with each other. The second key point is to be very clear on why you want to go on a vegan diet. Ideally, it shouldn't be because you watched What the Health or any other shockumentary and got scared. If you didn't get the message so far, I'm telling you right now. What the Health is rubbish. And so are most food documentaries. If you want a good one, Food Evolution is actually science-based and highly recommended. But I digress. If you're simply trying to improve your health, going full vegan isn't the best idea either. I don't care what anyone says. Complete veganism isn't the best diet ever for anyone really, with perhaps some small exceptions, let alone for everyone. In fact, there isn't any universal best diet for everyone, but there are some dietary patterns that are more health-promoting than others, and certainly including more plants is a good idea for most people, but that doesn't require you to completely abandon animal products altogether. In my opinion, the only valid reason to go full vegan is if you have ethical issues with consuming animal products, which is totally fine and a decision I completely respect, 
as long as you keep point number one in mind. But other than that, I see no reason to completely avoid all animal products, which brings me to point number three. A vegan diet can be just as healthy as an omnivorous diet if you set it up correctly, which can be a big pain in the ass, pun intended, again. Like Melody mentioned, there are a lot of nutrients you don't get in optimal amounts from plants and you have to be both very meticulous with your food selection and use a wide variety of supplements. A hassle that is certainly worth going through if you have ethical reasons behind your choices. But again, if that's not the case, simply including eggs, organ meats, some dairy, some red meat here and there would fix all those nutrient issues and potentially offer other health benefits that we are not yet aware of. Plus, there is the whole individual genetic response that I highlighted with Chris Masterjohn's vegan experiment and that I will be discussing in an up- upcoming episode with Burge Fagerli. But until then, I think I've gone on long enough, so I'll end it here. Take some time and digest all the information we presented here and let me know what you thought. Until next week, take care.